Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Blue Devils podcast. My name is J.J. Jackson, and it's so great to have you here with us on this Monday, November 20th, 2023. Lockdown Blue Devils is your daily one-stop shop where we talk about everything going on in the life of Duke Athletics. We're going to talk a lot about Duke basketball today as the Blue Devils get set for a week of a couple of games coming up here. They've got LaSalle tomorrow, Southern Indiana on Friday. Feast week has arrived in college basketball, and typically Duke is in one of those traditional Thanksgiving week tournaments, whether it be Maui or the Battle for Atlantis. This season, not the case. Duke hosting a couple of teams at home, and we'll talk about all that and more on today's episode of Lockdown Blue Devils. If you have not done so already, please be sure to follow and subscribe to our podcast for free wherever you get your podcasts. Watch our show on YouTube each and every day. Hit that subscribe button. Share this video with your friends as your support means so much to us here on the program. On today's show, my good pal, Jordan Mann, at Coach J Mann on Twitter, the host of the Big J and Little J Show, at Duke FB Fans on X as well. And we're going to be talking a lot about this Duke basketball team Jordan, Feast Week has arrived. I hope you're doing well, my friend. Yeah, Feast Week is here, JJ. And uh, right before we got on here, I was watching uh, Syracuse versus Tennessee. So Feast Week has officially tipped off. And it's the best time, arguably one of the best times of the season. I won't say the best time because March Madness is the best time. But to know that Feast Week is here, Thanksgiving's around the corner, can't wait. You really do get a chance to learn a lot about your team in these events, right? We mentioned Maui. We mentioned the Battle for Atlantis. Last year, Duke played in the PK-85 event uh, where they had that game against Purdue and some other premier opponents uh, as Duke played in Phil Knight's Nike event a season ago. This year, not the case for Duke. A lot of these things are on rotation, right? You've got to go every four years at the earliest to qualify for a trip to Maui. Same goes for events like the Battle for Atlantis and whatnot. And so it just kind of falled uh, in the rotation that Duke was not going to get the chance to play in one of those. And now they've got a multi-team event. Going to be a little different, man, not seeing Duke take on some big teams this week. But then we look at the non-conference schedule, and Duke kind of made up for that with the home-and-home on the books with Arizona. They've got the Baylor game still to come, the ACC-SEC challenge and whatnot. It's just this week you're not going to see that premier matchup for Duke basketball. Yeah, I mean, like you said, the Baylor matchup and then at Arkansas is like I know they lost to UNCG. Shout out to UNCG, by the way. Way to hand it to them and put them on notice. But Arkansas is gonna Arkansas is gonna be legit. I mean, Musselman's a hell of a coach, and that's gonna be something that I can't look I can't wait for to see how Duke responds in such a hostile environment. But yes, this week, like you said, we play LaSalle. I will be in attendance tomorrow at at the LaSalle game. Uh on the Big J and Little J show, I just interviewed Last week, uh, Ben Phelps, who is Caleb Foster's basketball trainer since back to, till 2020, and Ben's going to be in attendance or had from 2020. Ben's going to be in attendance with Caleb Foster's mom behind the Duke bench tomorrow. So I'm going to go and see them and say what's up. So shout out to them. It's going to be a great environment for those guys, and hopefully Caleb can put on a show. Absolutely. LaSalle, the opponent for Duke this week, and then they'll take on Southern Indiana Uh, on Friday as well. Of course, this is an MTE, a multi-team event, and Duke took on uh, Bucknell this past Friday, and they won by 30. 90 to 60 was the final score. After our first time out here in just a little bit, we'll take a look at the box score and some of those big numbers, but big picture, what stood out to you in this one? Uh, Honestly, just 
the confidence in McCain and Proctor to continue to shoot from three. I mean, they've been struggling. Slow start, not really struggling, slow start from three. And just goes to show they're still shooting. Like, they can shoot the ball. And we'll obviously dive into it a little later on. But, I mean, McCain hitting five threes, five out of seven. Just shooting seven makes me happy to see that he's not putting the ball on the floor, hesitating because he started struggling early in the season. The guy can shoot the hell out of the ball, did a heck, did a heck of a job. And same with Proctor, three of six from three. So, and I'm – Honestly, another thing is Sean Stewart played 16 minutes. I know everybody has been the most popular topic. I had the hot take last time I was on Monday. I said he would get double-digit minutes against uh, Michigan State. I was wrong, but he was the first big off the bench against Michigan State and the first big off the bench, I think, against Bucknell. So Shire starting to get him in there early and see what he can do. And then, obviously, the blowout helps to where he can really play in the game. We'll deep dive into that, like you said, after the break. But that was a couple – Big things that I like to see is three-point shooting and Sean Stewart, see when he's doing big minutes. Yeah, this is the chance for people further down on your bench to get more run, to get the opportunity to play a little bit more. And talking about that front court, worth noting, uh, Christian Reeves missed the game with an ankle sprain. So he had a boot over there on the bench for the Duke team. Jaden Shute officially just showing up in street clothes, that red shirt that uh, John Shire has talked about a lot. They're not even dressing him out anymore at this point. So uh, we're looking at this Duke team that's giving guys an opportunity to play this week against what we can safely say is inferior competition, not what you're going to see in the ACC in games that Duke should win. I think that's the big takeaway here in some ways, Jordan, when you look at a game like Friday night. Las Vegas, man, they're good at what they do. They had Duke favored by 34 and a half points and Duke won by 30. A couple of Mm -hmm. last-minute buckets with the walk-ons in getting a chance to go. I mean, the fact that Duke did take care of business in that fashion is what's so impressive because uh, I think we would have had a much different conversation if there would not have been much separation between these two teams. And once again, a little bit of a slower start from Duke on Friday night, but then the shots start falling. They get some open looks. Mark Mitchell gets going very early in the game, and there's tons of separation that follows directly after that. Yeah, I mean, the one thing that was scary was Flip went down. Luckily, he just rolled his ankle, but Duke was only up four at the time against Bucknell. You see your best player go down, go straight to the locker room. You're just like, oh, my gosh, what's happening to the season? And luckily, nothing came from it. And, yeah, like you said, out of the break, we'll really deep dive into it because Mark Mitchell attacking the rim. JJ, it's like I said, don't shoot the three, get to the hole. And last two games, nine and nine from the free throw line against Michigan State and then had a great performance against Bucknell going to the rim. Enough talking about it. Let's be about it. Let's talk about some of those numbers from the Duke win over Bucknell, and we'll do that after our first time out here on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils. Locked On Blue Devils here today brought to you by our friends at Listening.com. College students, listen up. There's an incredible app called Listening.com, which can take any academic paper, PDF, or class material and turn it into an audio book. That's crazy. It can read math equations, technical words, and complicated documents. It knows to skip all the citations, footnotes, references, and just lets you jump straight to the context, straight to the chapter or section that you want to listen to. It even has a one-click note-taking button where it automatically puts the last 10 seconds into a notepad so you don't have to type notes while you listen. How cool is that? Best of all, if you use the link listening.com slash locked on, you'll be able to get your first three weeks 
for free. So go ahead and give it a try. Usually it's two weeks trial, but you get an extra free week when you go to listening.com slash locked on. Listening.com, a proud sponsor of Locked On Blue Devils. All right, we keep it moving here on today's episode of Lockdown Blue Devils. J.J. Jackson alongside my pal Jordan Mann, the host of the Big J Little J Show. You gave us a preview of your podcast a little bit earlier. Deep dive a little further. What can people expect? How frequently are you putting shows out there? What are you talking about? What's going on in your world, Jordan? Once a week. And then if I can get interviews on the side, it'll be twice a week. And so I've been in talks with a good buddy of mine, uh, Bates Jones, former Duke Blue Devil, he's going to be on the podcast. We're working some kinks out, like obviously the holiday season, but expecting an interview with him in between Thanksgiving and Christmas, and that should be out as soon as possible. But, yeah, me and Connor O'Neill uh, have the Big J and Lil J show, and we put it out once a week and try to do it every Wednesday at the latest. So, yeah, tune in. Check out. It's awesome. It's good stuff right there. All right, so 90-60, to 60, the final score. Duke defeats Bucknell. Uh, let's go to the career night for Mark Mitchell. We didn't talk about this as much, but on the season, Mark Mitchell was in double figures primarily for scoring, and he finishes this game off with a career-high 20 points for Duke to lead the way. 8 of 13 from the floor, makes all of his free throws, uh, does go 1 of 3 from three-point range on an assist from Jared McCain. What would you like out of Mark Mitchell's game? I mean, obviously, you can look at the numbers, 20 points in 22 minutes, 8 of 13 from the field. Like like I said, him getting to the rim is what Duke needs. Him finishing around the rim is what Duke wants. But one takeaway that I love about Mark Mitchell is just the defensive end. Force was a really good player for Bucknell. He got hot early. Mitchell got put on really in the second half, and he just made a living hell for, for Force for a back letter term. I mean, he had him locked up, and that's what – Mitchell does. He has a high motor, does it on both ends of the floor, and once he gets a defensive stop, he's going to be the first one down on offense and transition. And that's where Duke's deadly, J.J., is. I love to see what Duke did in the transition offense against Bucknell. Mark Mitchell just did a little bit of everything for this team and got started scoring early, had you know 13 points by the time we went into the locker room for halftime, comes out and was efficient, had a big dunk in the first half as well for this Duke team. And uh, like you said, when Kyle Filipowski was a little bit slower uh, and did ultimately get uh, injured there with four minutes left in the first half, Mark Mitchell's the guy that can kind of close it out uh, before Flip was able to return there in the second half and go the rest of the way. Jared McCain, another guy we talked about, and got to give him some love. 17 points on five of seven shooting from three-point range. Took one two-point shot, didn't fall for him. So five of eight total from the floor, made both of his free throw attempts, and was Duke's leading rebounder. Ten rebounds for Jared McCain. He finishes with a double-double. After not scoring at all in the Michigan State game, what a way to respond, what a way to come back. And it is very obvious that he loves the backdrop inside Cameron Indoor Stadium. He is making everything when he shoots it there on the home floor. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to see that two freshmen, Caleb Foster and Jared McCain, after having a no-scoring outlook or no-score game, the next game they come out and show that they're aggressive, just as aggressive, and they put up the points. So they put in the hard work. I know Connor, again, my co-host, Connor O'Neill on Twitter, he posts videos of Jared McCain after every game shooting, staying afterwards. 
Every player does do that. I give Connor a hard time. Connor just has it on video, and Duke Twitter loves it. But other players are putting in the same work, too. It's just not in Cameron immediately after the game. So it is nice to see that that hard work, though, you're seeing the results of it. So I'm happy for Jared, and I'm proud of him because Duke's going to need him. And Buck now ran a lot of zone. Duke might see more zone if there's Ryan Young and Mark Mitchell in the game because those guys cannot shoot on the perimeter for Duke. So – if Jared McCain can continue to shoot and be a zone buster like he was against Bucknell for the rest of the season, then Duke's in good hands. Oh, I mean, just the fact that he's getting those shots up inside Cameron Indoor, we don't talk about that as much, but from your basketball training days, coaching days as well, I mean, it's a little bit of a unique backdrop, the way things set up there inside Cameron uh, to see kind of what you're looking at to get your focus down and that sort of thing. It is paying off because – uh, it, I know it's just a couple of games that he's played at home so far in his Duke career, but he's gotten accustomed to those rims, the way the ball flies through the air inside that gym. He loves it. Yeah, that's a good point, JJ. That's a very good point on why he's probably getting shots up after the game is because of the backdrop in Cameron, because he needs to dial it in from there. And that's a great point. And depth perception, everything that kind of goes into the shooting form. Absolutely. And then one thing, too, that I'd like to see him do more of if he's starting to struggle early in a game is get to the rim and get fouled to where you're getting the rhythm from the free throw line. Ray Allen was a pro at that. A lot of shooters do that when they're in a shooting slump is how can I get to the line? Just see the ball go in. So as the season progresses, if he starts like 0 of 2, 0 of 3 from the field, I'd like to see him try and get to the free throw line to see the ball go in. Aggressive on the rebounding as well to walk away with 10 uh, rebounds in that effort. Kyle Filipowski. Uh, 10 points, good to see him come back in the second half. Had a dunk that we're adding, of course, to the dunk counter for him this season. Six rebounds uh, for Flip on the game as well. And this one, what would you like about his performance? I, just solid. He didn't need to do too much. And he only shot the ball four times. He still had 10 points for Duke. And obviously, after the scare with his leg, with his ankle, there's no need to put him back out there just for maybe some reps here or there. And that's what they did. 17 minutes. He had 10 points and six rebounds. Get out of there, get healthy, ice ice it up, and then play. I'd probably say play like 25 minutes tomorrow, if I had a guess against LaSalle. Still make sure that ankle is okay going into break. But one thing I will say, when he did get hurt, Duke was up four. And I posted this on my Twitter at Coach J-Man. Duke was up four. The wind was out of the cells because Cameron was like, oh, crap, what's up with Filipowski? And Ryan Young in three straight possessions had an assist for a three, offense rebound to assist for three, put Duke up 10, and then the steal for the breakaway dunk put up Duke 12. So Ryan Young stepped in. I know he he's the hot commodity right now, the pod god to me. But he's he did a hell of a job in that sequence, three straight offense possessions for Duke to go from a four-point game to a 12-point game, and it was because Ryan Young. Yeah, Ryan Young only took one shot in the game, and boy, it was electrifying. His breakaway kind of dunk that he had, five assists, three rebounds for him as well. He's been joking with guys on the podcast lately as to how many dunks he's going to have uh, this upcoming season. Last year, both he and Tyrese Proctor had one, and we had to wait until the ACC tournament to even see one from Ryan Young in the game against Pittsburgh. So maybe he's on a little bit of a better pace to get up there above the rim. He's 6'10", after all, you know, and, and it's moments like that that kind of remind you that he can't get up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it was cracking me up watching him dribble in the open floor. You can tell he hasn't practiced opening <laughs> dribbling, like, dribbling open floor since he was probably in AAU, which was probably like <laughs> five, six years ago. So it was 
hilarious to see him gallop to the rim, but I'm just glad he flushed it because if poor Ryan's like leg went out from under him or he smoked it, then Duke Twitter would have had a field day. So I'm just glad that he persevered and had an excellent flush to really recap the uh, first half for Duke. Yeah, his teammates in the locker room would have given him a hard time as well for that one, I'm sure. So awesome stuff. Well, let's talk about this next game coming up for Duke and wrap up our conversation after our last time out here on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils. Locked On Blue Devils here today is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. FanDuel, of course, is the number one sports book in America. Why? Well, because new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use, a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. Go ahead and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel is an official partner of the NFL. Final few moments here on today's episode of Lockdown Blue Devils. J.J. Jackson alongside my pal Jordan Mann at Coach J. Mann on Twitter. We're talking about the Duke team so far and their upcoming games this week taking on LaSalle. What would you like to see out of Duke as they go through their competitions this week, Jordan? You know, just more healthy reps. Like the the older guys just to be as consistent as they have been and honestly the freshmen to be more consistent. And like Sean Stewart, like I said, he had 16 minutes against uh, Bucknell, and he was the first big off the bench the last two games, so Shire's giving that spotlight. And there was a lot of good things that we saw from Sean. I mean, he is Duke's probably best rebounder in terms of – because of his motor. Like, yeah. his rebounding ability because of his motor. He had three offensive rebounds and seven rebounds total in 16 minutes. That's very efficient. He led yeah. Duke in offensive rebounds in 16 minutes. That's great. But with that high motor, he has tended to make – he made some mistakes – Freshman mistakes. He had a deny on at the free throw line. Guys spun off that deny for a layup, and then he had four fouls in 16 minutes. So I would like to see him just have a consistent overall game against the LaSalle team that did beat that Bucknell team. So it's going to be pretty good competition. It's going to be a step up in competition from Bucknell. And so I'd just like to see him solidify his minutes more for Duke. We saw a couple of uh, what I would kind of call young frustration fouls from Sean Stewart, where maybe you're a little disappointed where the ball just bounced a moment ago and trying to make up for it being too much. Calm down just a little bit, and the whistle blows ultimately for Sean Stewart. So I think that's something that will improve as time goes on. But would you say the same thing, like you did see a couple of just frustration fouls from him in those minutes? Yeah, I think he was just over-hustling, like where it was the – Tiki-tack foul, like you said, just unnecessary, but it's him trying to make a play. And he just needs to know that that's not the right play at the right time just to get back. And he just – I will never fault a man's effort for – like going four fouls and you're playing your tail off in 16 minutes is one thing, but having four fouls because you're not moving your feet or anything is a different situation. So I love his motor, and I really think there is a position for him, like a spot for him on this roster. And – the minutes, and I think he's going to be playing more than the minutes that he's played so far in the first two games of the season or three games of the season. And I think if he can solidify 15 to 20 point uh, minutes per game for Duke, then Duke's going to be in a really good spot for him. And if he gets more than that, then Duke is playing, playing very hot. 
The LaSalle Explorers come to town to take on the Duke Blue Devils tomorrow from inside uh, Cameron Indoor Stadium, expecting a fun one here. We talked about kind of the lead-up of these three teams, uh, of course, mid-major programs that Duke will be taking on, and a lot of people felt like LaSalle would give Duke the strongest test of their competition that they'll see over the next three games. So uh, with that in mind, just from a team perspective, what are you wanting to see from Duke offensively, defensively, Jordan? Uh, it'd be on the defensive side, just rebounding, consistent rebounding. There was there was times in the Bucknell game, Duke won by 30, but that's because really good offensive play separated themselves. But there's times on the defensive end where Duke should have corralled some rebounds that they're still not corralling. And they're going to lose games against ACC opponents if they don't crash the glass more aggressively than they are on defensive side of the ball. I would like to see the – Guards, McCain had 10, 10 rebounds, so it's not going to McCain. But the other guards, all five guys got to go to the brim and get the rebound. Because if Ryan Young's in and Flip's in, you got to have more guys, more bodies in the paint to get the rebounds and go out. Because when Duke does get a defensive rebound, the best Duke there is is Duke in transition. So get out and go. So that's what I want to see against LaSalle. As part of this Blue Devil Challenge, these teams have had the opportunity to play one another. LaSalle already played Bucknell, and they beat Bucknell by 12 points. If you're kind of looking at sort of transitive property here, Duke's going to play Southern Indiana this upcoming Friday, and LaSalle beat them by one point. So 4-0 on the year for the Explorers. They've beaten Drexel, Northeastern, Bucknell, and Southern Indiana. So excited to see how this one plays out. Uh, the ESPN Basketball Power Index gives the Blue Devils a 96% chance to win this game. So uh, not necessarily on upset watch for our Duke Blue Devils, but still, the ball's going to go up in the air. You got to go out and take care of business. Yeah, go out and take care of business. And I think it starts with Duke's guard play. Uh, Duke's guard play sets the tone for every game. And that's that's what we got to see, JJ. We got to see with how Roach and Proctor start the game for Duke and then Everybody else will fill the roles in. Because like I said, Filipowski, we don't know what we're going to get from Flip because of the ankle injury. There's no reason for him to play 35 minutes against LaSalle. If he plays 35 minutes against LaSalle, that's not a good thing for multiple reasons. So hopefully we see Duke play those 8 to 10 guys uh, that Shire has played early on. And TJ Power, he played 11 minutes last game. Maybe he can probably play 8 to 10 minutes this game and show what he's capable of. I know he didn't score. He was 0 for 4 from the field against Bucknell. See if he can hit a pick-and-pop three for Duke. Yeah, they kept uh, watching the broadcast. Mike Monica on the play-by-play kept wanting people to see T.J. Powers' first points for a Duke Blue Devil. Did finally make a couple of free throws for some of Duke's last points of the game, but still has not made a shot from the floor. So let's see if that can change for our boy T.J. Power. Yeah, absolutely. But the one thing that I love about this Duke team, I know we're so early in the season, but you have five guys in scoring double figures. I mean, yeah. Caleb Foster's averaging 10 and a half, and he didn't score in one game. So, <laughs> like, that's impressive. That's impressive. And McCain's averaged eight and a half, and it looks like he's finally starting to click for him. And he didn't score in one game. Yeah. Correct, yeah. So <laughs> we were almost six guys away, like point and a half away with six guys are scoring double digits for Duke. That is a very solid team. That is something you want to see. So that's very promising. Well, Jordan, it's always great to see you. I hope that you enjoy Feast Week. I hope you have a great Thanksgiving coming up on Thursday, and we'll do this again sometime soon, okay? Sounds good, brother. Thank you. All right, that's Jordan Mann joining us here on today's episode of Lockdown Blue Devils, and that's going to do it for another show here today. Thank you always for making Lockdown Blue Devils your one-stop shop for everything in the life of Duke Athletics. Lockdown Blue Devils, your team 
every day. So proud to be a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. That's going to do it for today's show. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you, and good day.